Welcome to The Prism Effect, a podcast with me, Larry Knoll, lead pastor of The Light in Kent. Just as prisms break light up into its spectral colors, I hope to help you discover the scripture's meaning for your life. Wow, I missed being here. And I thank Kelsey, who I apologize, I have not listened to your message yet. Just been a little busy, but we're going to get around to it. And I, I know that I've already heard it was really good and appreciate the topic that you picked. And so glad to see every one of you in the flesh today and those who are watching through our streaming, maybe through YouTube, through Facebook. We welcome you. Don't we, everybody? Let's give them a big welcome. Thank you for being here. Listen, if you were here, you would get something you can't get through streaming, and that's you would feel the love of Jesus in this place. So God, so I pray that God will touch you where you're at, and you'll feel that nudge of the Holy Spirit today, and the welcome that's in this place will maybe translate to where you are. I'm hoping. But it's so good to see each and every one of you. And this is The Lighting Kent. My name is Larry Knoll. And we have a special guest star here, Mina Grace. And um, she is just, uh, wow. She's here with us for the first service at The Lighting Kent. And Mama and Papa, Warren and Sophia are loving on her. And everybody in this place just about has loved on this baby. Catherine, you'll have to get it afterwards, okay? Because you were a little late. So, you know, you can look at at her and then afterwards, you know, you can, because, you know, this is a cuddle bunch right here. This is a cuddle bunch. And uh, this is really actually our first um, organically grown baby here, okay? <laughs> We've import, we have imported babies before and children into the congregation, but this is our first organically grown one. And aren't we happy about this today? Man, everybody's just like, I thought they were happy to see me, but it was Mina. It was Mina. So yeah, it's, it's great to have new life. New life is exciting, isn't it? New life is exciting. And I'm telling you, um, God is all about life, isn't he? Yes. God is a God of life. He's a God of excitement. He's a God of energy. And um, people think, you know, coming to serve the Lord, it's, uh, it can be boring. And I'm just going to tell you, it's never boring. It is not boring serving the Lord. And um, I hope, you know, I was looking for a, a couple here today because, um, and I don't see them, so maybe they're sick or um, away this weekend. But we have, a, we have like a few people in our congregation that have felt, and this doesn't include Mark, who's already a uh, minister. He's already a credentialed minister. So I'm not leaving you out, Mark, but I'm talking about younger people that, you know, and Mark, we're not younger, just got news for you, okay? <laughs> we're the old guard, you know, we're just, we're, we're the old guys. But um, we have a few people that really, it's, you know, they feel the call or they, you can see the call upon their lives. And I thought it would be a good time to maybe talk about that, to address that. 
because they're, you know, I want to energize them and set them loose. Don't you all want to see them minister in this congregation? And we saw Kelsey who, you know, she never came to me and said, I felt the call to minister, you know. She just volunteered. She didn't say, you know, anything dramatic like, hey, you know, Pastor Larry, God is speaking to me in dreams and visions. She just, you know, when I needed somebody, I really needed somebody, by the way. And she went, I'll do it. And I went and she did it. And then last week she taught again. And I'm telling you, we have a teacher right here, everybody, a gifted teacher that I really believe God has a call on your life for this. And um, so anyhow, we have two or three, uh, three to be exact, uh, younger folks in our group here in our church. And... um, they have, you know, some have even said, I feel called. One, uh, you know, I remember when Zach and Jessica first contacted us, they said, we feel called to be in this congregation. And if you guys are watching right now, hey, we miss you, love you. And, and yes, we appreciate you. <laughs> and Warren came to me, you know, about a year ago and said, I feel called to ministry. And so, we're, you know, I didn't really address this formally, and I just sort of, it's something I prayed for, everybody. It's something that we have prayed for since we started this church 10 years ago, was that we could see younger people come into this church, be raised up to be ministers. Now, that sounds serious and scary, doesn't it? And in fact, the two that are here probably went, wait, what? You know, what are you talking about, you know? And when I say that, you know, when we have a calling, it just means that God has his hand on you to do something special. That's what that means. And I believe it's true. I can see it in the lives of these young people. And that's what we want, guys. This is this is our church. And, um, you know, I'm the starter, but there's got to be some finishers on this church. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not, uh, you know, resigning this morning or anything like that. And I don't plan on going anywhere. But, you know... We, we want a future for the lighting camp, don't we? And this is exactly what God has sent us at this church, and I'm so excited about it. And now we have Mina, who will be our future children's pastor, I think, you know, <laughs> or something, you know. Or maybe she'll, who knows what she'll do. Isn't that exciting? We have, we have no idea. Isn't that great? She's reacting to me? Okay. Well, as long as it's a positive reaction, okay? There's some reactions we won't talk about. But something has changed. Something changes in your life when you when you feel this call, when you step up to the plate and you do something. And and a lot of you already know what I'm talking about. Many of you. And we talked about Paul a lot in our survey of the Bible that we did. Seven weeks, seven week coverage of the Bible. We talked about Paul because he wrote a lot of the New Testament. But did you know that Peter after Pentecost, Peter was actually the top preacher He was baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And from that point on, that old fisherman could preach. And he wasn't a scared of nothing. He would get out there and do it when his life was being held accountable for it. And one time when he preached, 3,000 people got saved. So what kind of crowd was he preaching to? It was a crowd bigger than Jesus had preached to. And I'll tell you what, doesn't that story pump you up a little bit? That one sermon could win 3,000? 
But we don't have 3,000 in here or 5,000 or 10,000. That means he had to go out and do something, didn't he? To preach to people that didn't know. They didn't have a building to hold that many everybody. So he must have been someplace where everybody could see and hear him. I mean, but that story makes me just feel powerful. Like, wow, with the power of God, an old fisherman could get up and preach and people get turned on to Jesus. And I remember, I remember the call of God on my own life. It wasn't something I was seeking. It wasn't like, you know, well, God, you know, I mean, I had a job. I had a ministry I was doing, uh, singing on the weekends. And I was working in my local church and doing a teenage program at Parma Park Church of God. And yeah, and I was doing piano lessons and a youth group on Monday, an athletic program, even though I wasn't very athletic. And we, you know, I had a full slate of things to do, but I wasn't looking for the call of God, like, you know, to go into the ministry. I was happy making a lot of money doing my job and getting to serve God, too. It was fun. See, I wanted to serve God on my terms is what it was. And he was like, yeah, you're doing great, but it's. I want more. I want, I want you to really learn how to trust me because you're not trusting me. And as long as you have that big fat paycheck coming in, at the time it was $1,000 a month. I thought I was rich, you know. Back in the 70s, everybody, that was a ton of money. But see, answering the call seemed scary. People would come to me and they would say, Brother Larry, I think you ought to come and, you know, have you ever thought about coming in and being in full-time ministry? I could use somebody like me. I'd say, no thanks. No thanks. Appreciate it. But I'm happy where I'm at doing what I'm doing. And then one day I was accidentally put into the role of a worship leader at a youth retreat. And um, Cliff Hughes, who just went on to be with the Lord not long ago, he was supposed to lead worship and I was just supposed to be the piano player. And I had my electric piano, my sound system there, you know, and Cliff comes, he goes, I got to go. Somebody in my congregation's passing away. I have to go to the hospital. You lead to worship. I was like, okay. And this young guy who was preaching that day from West Monroe, Louisiana, Mike O'Neill, he was like the next Billy Graham. Oh my goodness. This guy was slick, good looking, powerful. He just had his, he was electric and he comes to me. I mean, I'm, and I led the worship and he preached. We were a little team that night. It came up at the end, played for the altar call. We had a big altar call. People prayed. I played and sang. Didn't think anything about it. And he comes up to me at the end of the service. And he said, Brother Larry, in his preacher voice, have you ever thought about going into full-time ministry? And for the first time, I went, yes. Because <laughs> I thought, if you're asking me, it's a whole different story than... If Uncle Alan's asking me or somebody else like that, you know, I said, yes. You see how God turned, he used something to turn my heart. And he just, it it was like turning a page then. I was like, I could, this would interest me. And you know, the funny thing, long story short, he offered me a job to work with single adults in West Monroe, Louisiana at a big church. And he said, I've already got, I've already got somebody who's pledged your first year pay. Just get ready to come down. I started packing my house and I started writing letters because we didn't have text messaging, mobile phones and all this, you know. So I started writing letters and he'd write back and I'd say, what's the timeline? When are we going to do this? 
I'm ready to quit my job, but I can't quit till you know you tell me. And it went on for months, and it went on and on and on. And finally, he just was straight with me, and he said, "You know, I ha- I may be I may get a promotion. I may you know be leaving this church, and I don't want to bring you here and leave you stranded." And I was like, "I'm ready to go in the ministry now, and I got no place to go." And then my uncle called me out of the blue from Youngstown, Ohio. Now, West Monroe, Louisiana sounds very exotic, (laughs) exciting. You're in the South and you're with Mike O'Neill or your uncle, Gil Harris, who you know. Okay, and Aunt Marilyn. And it's not even the right denomination. It's the wrong denomination. It's the Assemblies of God. It's not the Church of God. And they said, you know, we need, we wonder if you'd be interested, we have a position, and I reluctantly agreed to go and, and just sing on a Sunday morning there. And God went, this is what I want you to do, but I knew you wouldn't agree to this. This would not turn your heart, but that would. So you were never going there. This is what I really wanted you to get ready for. And that's something how God uses things like that. He's kind of the God of misdirection sometimes. I heard Benny Hinn say, sometimes God wants to get you to, from A to Z, but he takes you to A to B to C to D to F. You go all over the place to finally get you to Z. And I said, that's a good word. That's just how God works sometimes. And from that point on, my life, once Michael Neal said what he said, and I, I was done. I was done. I was like... I don't want to work in IT anymore. This is what I want to do. And I was committed and I knew that I had accepted the call. So I did go into full ministry, full-time ministry in Youngstown, Ohio, in Boardman, Ohio, actually. Was there for about three years. It was wonderful. Have lifelong friends there. It was life-changing to me. And it was a very hard transition. But it was one that I needed to make in order to move on in what God had planned for me in ministry. The reason I was reluctant and the reason everything seemed scary to me is because I had too many friends and family in the ministry. And if you ever sit around for very long with ministers, you're going to hear the worst horror stories of everything that went wrong in every church they ever went to, every board that was ever mean to them, every overseer or superintendent that gave them the shaft or whatever, they're going to tell those stories because they're more fun than hearing what, how God blessed them, okay? <laughs> because it's like, oh, I can top that one. I can top that one. And so I'd heard all these stories, and I was like, yeah, I don't want that kind of life. I want a steady paycheck. I want to know where, I, you know, I want to know that I'm going to live here and do this the rest of my life. And, of course, it, we sang that song, I Have a Plan for You. And every time we sing it, I get choked up because it says it's going to be wild. Let me tell you what, my life has been wild. I never dreamed of doing this and meeting Jason. Jason and I are lifetime friends. We're like family. I had to be his, me and Mark, we were Jason's driver's ed coach. We never dreamed we'd be doing that, that God would give you a car. A Toyota, not just some car, a Toyota. And he looks so sporty going down the street. You know, I'm going to get you one of those beanies, buddy. 
And when you drive it, I'm getting one for you, okay? And when you drive it, you just put it there. And when you drive, I want to see you put that one on. Take the baseball cap off. Because let me tell you, the women will be chasing you down the water street. (laughs) Seriously. That's all you need is that cap. But I never dreamed of meeting Kelsey and then Alex or any of you that came through this church, you see. It's a wild ride. It's exciting. And it's scary when we answer the call of God in our lives, but it's great. You don't ever want to not answer the call of God when he does this. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about Acts 7 and Stephen. See, this is the stories that scare the call right out of you. And other things too, okay? Acts 7, 59, all right? And here they are, they're stoning Stephen. Remember, Stephen was preaching and, and Paul and all the others were persecuting the Jews that had turned to Christ and accepted him as their Messiah. And they're out there preaching and evangelizing. And they're out there stoning him and Stephen says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That was Stephen's reward for preaching. Now, gee, why wouldn't you want to do that? Yes, I want to go into ministry so I can get stoned. Listen, not that kind of stoned, okay? This is the kind of cost you your life. Sometimes when we think of answering the call, we just think of sacrifice, hardship, loneliness. Listen, you're going to have that anyhow. You're going to have that anyhow, guys. Life is not perfect. And how many have had sacrifice in your life? Just regular sacrifice. How many have been lonely? Yeah. How many have, you know, had hardships in your life? Yeah. You see, it's going to come anyhow. So don't blame it on the ministry. But the ministry does bring things with it because you are under attack for answering the call by Satan. And Satan will... If it was going to happen anyhow, Satan will amplify that in your mind as this is because you're in the ministry. So when we feel the call to teach and preach and lead and do whatever, it can be daunting. It can just feel like, man, that's not me. That's not me. So let's talk about that today. Your calling and what to do about it. And I want to credit Dr. Leonard Albert, who's... One of my favorite non-ministers. Leonard Albert is a preacher. He's a non-credentialed guy in, in the church of God for a long time. And I loved him be, you know, because he, he never became a, a minister. He never got his credentials. And he's incredibly smart. And he calls him, and he's a good speaker, but he's not a preacher. So he calls himself a preacher. Okay. And I've loved him for years, and he had this outline. He says, number one, we are all called. So everybody in this room, you are called. It's not just Kelsey or Warren or me or Zach or Tim as worship leader or Mark as media guy. Or It's not just... You know, when when Mary and I first started dating, we knew each other from church. You know, she sat five rows behind me. But when we started dating, I was like, wait, this is not like normal dating. I'm a minister. I need to ask her a question before I even ask the question. 
I, I got to ask a, two questions. You know, this is a problem with ministry. And I said, so, you, you know, you know, I'm a minister, obviously. I'm a pastor at your church. Uh-huh. You know, she didn't say that, but she agreed. I said, so, you know, if you marry me. Now, I hadn't even asked her yet, but I was just saying, you know, way out there, if we were to get married, you know that I would you you're going to be in the ministry by default. Are you okay with that? Okay, I wouldn't say that Mary went, she answered the call. She just was so much in love with me. She would accept any terms at that point. But she did answer, she did answer the call that day when she said, yes, I would be willing to do that. You see, I was, it was, but now it's our ministry. What would I do without this lady here at this church? You would just have me, and how ugly would that be? But look at this. And I'm serious when I say that. I'm not just, you know, trying to get on her good side. I'm already on her good side. I'm so far on that side. I don't even know what the ugly side looks like, okay? So what I want to say is we are all called. We are all called. We are, all followers of Christ are called to minister, and that includes preaching. Some people say, when Warren came to me and he said, I feel called to ministry, I tried to get him off the hook for preaching. I was like, well, you know, Warren, there's different callings. And God dealt with me about that, and I had to go back to Warren, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm taking that back. I did you wrong. So let's talk about that. Everybody here is called to preach. Wow, you better get some study materials, haven't you? See, I believe that the greatest deceit Satan has ever pulled over on the church is, I'm just a layman. I just attend there. We have a pastor. I think that's a deceit of Satan. Because the first century church, you'll find that laymen preached. People that weren't ministers were preaching all the time. And Saul was persecuting Anyone who preached the gospel of Christ. Let's go to Acts 8, 4. He said, those who had been scattered, which was the laity, non-ministers, they preached the word wherever they went. There it is. So here's the church being scattered because of persecution. But it was kind of cool. It was like trying to kill cockroaches. You know, you stamp these out and then they the rest of them. You know, my dad used to have an apartment, and it was uh, in inner city Cleveland, over on the west side. And these people were, they lived very unclean, and they, cockroaches infested, so he, he did a uh, fumigation, and all the cockroaches just moved next door. It was kind of fun. See, that's what happens in persecution, is these Christian cockroaches just spread. They said, well, we'll get them out of here. And they persecuted them. They just went somewhere else and infested it and took the message of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Pretty poor example, but anyhow. Here's another example. Let's leave the cockroaches. Let's go to Philip. Okay? He was another lay preacher, everybody. You remember the story of the Ethiopian eunuch? He's studying, what is it, Isaiah? And he's riding in a chariot. And he stops and he's studying the scroll. And he's like, geez, what does this mean? I don't understand what it's talking about. And Philip is nearby. And he's like, could I help you? I'm an excellent layperson from the Christian church. 
And he's like, in Acts 35, Philip began, it says, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. He said, yes, I know what that means. And the Holy Spirit anointed Philip and he explained that to the Ethiopian eunuch who accepted Jesus Christ as the Savior. Took it back to Ethiopia. In the first century church, everybody, everyone was a minister. And it was mostly lay ministers, not hired guns, okay? Not pastors. It was mostly lay. And they did most of the amazing things over the next 300 years. They didn't have a lot of professionals. It was just everybody was, everybody was doing the work of the ministry for the next 300 years. In fact, it affected, you remember the Romans who were like smashing the Jews back in the time of Jesus? Guess what empire got overtook by Christianity and it became the official, oh, I don't know, where's the Roman Catholic Church today? Rome! That's like saying, what color is George Washington's white horse? And it overtook the Roman Empire. Christianity overtook the Roman Empire, everybody. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. In fact, Celsus, who was a second century Greek philosopher, he wrote a book against Christians. It's called The True Word. Man, this guy was like politico. You know what I'm saying? He was like, whatever's this, I'm going to, you know. It was just all the time, bam, bam, bam. And he wrote this book called The True Word. And in it, he wrote, listen, it was, he's talking about the Christian. He's talking about the Christian church. And he says, it was the wool workers, the cobblers, the laundry workers, and the most illiterate and bucolic yokels. That sounds like he's trashing them, doesn't it? A bucolic yokel. So if you're not a wool worker, a cobbler, a laundry worker, then, then you're a stupid yokel, okay? He says those were the ones who were carrying the gospel. Who are those people? Lay people. He was blaming the lay people of the Christian church for spreading the gospel. How cool. He never said it's those priests, it's those pastors, it's those guys in charge. It's the ones at the head office. He didn't say that. He said, it's all these common people. They're the ones that are the problem. They keep spreading the gospel. You can't stop it. And what do they know? They're illiterate. See, Satan wants us to believe only full-time ministers are called. But we all have a pulpit to preach in. Okay? We all have a pulpit. This is mine. One of mine. But we all have a pulpit. It looks like a coffee table, maybe. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a work table, a conference table at work, or a place that we work. Maybe it's the gas pump down over here across the street. Maybe it's an office desk. Maybe it's at the library. I don't know. But we all, any of those things can be our pulpit. Are you following this? We all have a pulpit and preach some type of sermon every single day. And if someone asks you if you're called, you could say this. Say, why well, are you called in the ministry? Say, yes, I'm an ordained accountant. <laughs> Alex. You could say, 
Well, are you called into the ministry? Well, yes, I'm an ordained grandparent. Uh-huh. I'm an ordained IT expert, Warren. That's, that's right. This just pays me my, my pay, but I'm an ordained IT expert. I'm an ordained, I don't know, what, what is it your, your deal? I used to bring people to Kent when we first started the church, and we didn't have any services yet, and I was just bringing people in to show them and so they could pray for us, maybe get some money from them, you know, I was trying anything. And I would take them to the coffee shops downtown, like Scribbles, and what was the other one, Bent Tree? I got to hurry. Huh? It's real simple. It's not really hard, everybody. Just find a need. Fill it. That's how he sounded, right? John Maxwell says, find your passion and follow that passion. What is it that floats your boat? What is it that you feel something for? Then go for it. You see, it's not like this mystical call from the cosmos. Ooh, God, you know, drop down some screen here and show me my future. In God's kingdom, like every kingdom, there's just basically work that has to be done. In any kingdom, there's street sweepers and guys that work on the sewers. In any kingdom, there's people that are managers. They have to organize things. In any kingdom, there's people that have to take care of the money. Collect money, spend money. In any kingdom, there's people that do entertainment. Okay? In any kingdom, there's people that take care of food. God's kingdom is practical, everybody. There's something for you that God has called you to do that you're really good at. And I'm telling you what, no call, if no call seems obvious to you, you don't know what you're called to, then just do the obvious. What is it that you can do? What is it that you like to do? I don't know. Are there people that need to be fed and clothed and housed in Kent in your neighborhood? Okay, here's one. Are there babies that need to be held? Maybe we need a church nursery now. Anybody like to hold babies? Yeah, well, we have a ministry now for you. There are people that need transportation to church or to the doctor or to the hospital or from the hospital. Or if there's people that need things, everybody, we can do those things. People that need to be greeted and loved when they walk in this place. There are, aren't there? You could do that. And that's answering a call to the ministry, using the gifts that God has given you. The next question is, what do you do? What are you good at? Then do that. And don't, don't put a round peg in a square hole. If you're good at something, then do it. Nobody empties trash, sweeps the floor, locks the building up, makes sure it's airtight, better than Don and Nancy. Don is the most meticulous. He helped me yesterday. When we were moving things, man, he is like the most meticulous, careful guy. And I'm just a, you know, I'm like this. I'm like with a paintbrush this big. Oh, let's just get it done. And Don's got a little paintbrush that he's going, wait, 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 wait. What's that? It's great. Yeah. I'm in awe of him because I don't operate that way. That's a gift. See, that's an anointing. That's an anointing. Do you know that? That's right. 
Maybe computers, social media, graphics. Maybe singing, maybe playing is your thing. Then go for it. You can do that here. Do you know that? It doesn't take, there's not a great big application process here. There's a very straight line to asking, letting us know, and getting to do stuff. What do you like to do? What do you love to do? That can be a clue to your anointing. Listen, ministry can be something you enjoy. There's a song that somebody wrote, a Christian song, that says, God, don't send me to Africa. And it's about this. It's like, you know, I'm afraid to answer God's call because he's going to send me someplace that I don't want to go. That I'm not going to enjoy. And what do you hear? What do others say about you? What are other people observing about you? See, that's just affirmation. You should know that already. But when somebody says, wow, this is, you know, I see this in you. That should be affirmation. And I want to steer you to a website. And I don't know if we can maybe get this on uh, by the time we put this on YouTube or something. But it's gifts.churchgrowth.org slash spiritual hyphen gifts hyphen survey. Gifts.churchgrowth.org. And if you go to that website, look for the spiritual gifts survey. You can take that. It's free. Warren's taken it. I've taken it. Sophia's taken it. It's great. And it, by answering like a plethora of questions, it will help you determine your spiritual gifts. What has God called you to do? This is why Warren is moving, you know, not from the drums, but in addition, we're developing this greeter ministry that some of you are participating in. So God has called us, each of us, to do more than just to give in the offering and show up at church. You know that. In the New Testament, Peter refers to the priesthood of all believers He says this, and we don't have this on the screen. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful sight. You are the priesthood of believers, everybody. And I'm telling you, we live in a day when it's necessary more than ever that the ministry is done by all believers. We will never be able to hire enough pastoral staff here to fulfill what is really needed here. So that means you just need to do what your calling is and this church will become absolutely more powerful than it is. If each follower of Christ recognizes their calling as ministers, just hear it the light. So in other words, if we go from the only pastor to 25 30 ministers. Can you imagine how powerful this becomes? How light my steps come into the building like, hey, what's going on today? Somebody let me know. But I don't have to know everything that's going on. I just got to have my sermon ready and I pop in the building and I'm like, let's do it. Can you imagine what that made me feel like? Can you imagine how powerful that would be? Can you imagine how your gift would start to grow? I appreciate I come in and Alex comes over here and he gets in this office and he goes right to work. Nobody knows what he does. I know what he does, but I'm just saying you don't pay attention to what he does. And he's going in there and he's paying bills and he's 
putting information in our computer and getting ready to have our financial reports all squared away. Guys, he does this all the time. It's his gifting. It's what God has anointed him to do. That's what he does for a living. And he does it here. And I, it's one th- I used to have to count the offering, deposit the offering, worry about the offering, and even ask for the offering. And Alex took this whole part of my, and he's a minister. He's our financial minister. Okay, there you go. There, you're our financial minister. That's like a CFO, isn't it? Isn't that great? You see, we can do things like this, and I want to set you loose to do it. So I'd like us to go from one minister that I accidentally said one day, which created this sermon, okay? (laughs) By saying that and Zachary doing what he did, I was like, I need to talk about this. And I'd like us to go to 25 or 30 ministers. Can we do that? So you are all now on staff. And those of you who are watching, if you show up, we'll put you on staff. And you are now on staff at the Light in Kent. All you have to do is use your gift, answer the call. Just let me know what you're doing. Say, Pastor Larry, I'm going to do this. Do you need stuff? We'll get it for you. It could be inside or outside of this church, by the way. Your ministry may be in Aurora. Your ministry may be in Talmadge. It may be in Brimfield. It may not even be here. Okay. I'm good with that. But can you imagine if we become 30, 35 ministers here, how awesome that becomes. We're not waiting for Sunday. We're ministering 24-7, anytime. We could be at Burger King and have ministry going on. I love Burger King ministry. It's like my favorite next to Dairy Queen ministry. That's my favorite, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the shed blood that gives us salvation that we don't deserve. By grace, we have received salvation. Lord, the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. This is not all that there is, that we're not working for temporal things. We're not working for this situation. We're working, Lord, for a a coming kingdom. And Lord, I pray that People hearing this message today, first of all, will accept you and become part of the family of God. Holy Spirit, speak to people's hearts who need to surrender to you. Join this wild ride. Accept accept the invitation from Jesus to come and follow him as that song says. Jesus loves you. He died for you, and he's coming again for those who love him. We invite you to become part of God's family today. Father God, I pray for us as a church, Lord, that we would commit our lives to you totally and not look at this as a Sunday thing or an occasional thing, but it's a life thing. That we would be like the first century Christians, that we would be preaching seven days a week, not depending on Sunday or streaming or anything else, that we would be ready. We would be ready to share the gospel. We'd be ready to pray for people, that we'd be able to be ready to meet needs of people, to help them. God, use us. Use us, Lord. We might be small, but we could multiply today if we receive your call and we answer that call today. We ask in Jesus' name. 
You know what I want to do? I want to do a faith declaration with you. I wrote this this morning. This just came into my head this morning. And I want, whether you're watching or you're here today, I want us to do a faith declaration for all who are followers of Christ. So in other words, this is reinforcing what we just learned, what we just talked about. Repeat after me. I am called to be a preacher of the gospel. You are. I am called to do greater things. Wonders and signs in His name. I am called to love others with the same love that He has given me. I am a priest in the body of Christ. Ordained to show people how to escape the darkness of sin. Amen. I wanted you to say that, not just hear that. I wanted you to say that. Now, it does, it's not magic, but I wanted you to say that so that it goes in your brain in a different way than just hearing it. Okay, you heard it, you said it, and Satan will challenge those things, guys. But I want you to be obedient and realize who you are in Christ and to operate in that. I want to thank those who joined us today through streaming. God bless you. Join us again next week. I'm going to be, uh, uh, we're going to have a kind of a special service. I don't even know what it is because we've had to kind of make an adjustment. But we will be celebrating our 10-year anniversary next week in a smaller way than we wanted to. Uh, But um, just because of some personal circumstances in our family, we just, you know, can't follow through with what uh, we wanted to do. But we're going to, I'm going to be asking people to give testimonies of uh, God's calling uh, to begin this church, people that have joined us, and uh, how it's impacted the community. We're going to be talking about how, you know, what this church has done in this community, and then what's next. What's next, okay? So where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. How about that? Ten year, all right? Because God is not finished with us by any means, amen? All right, God bless you. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. The original version of this message can be found on our website at thelightingkent.com. For more information, you can also reach out to us at info at thelightingkent.com or message us on Facebook.